we're gonna we're gonna go ahead and dive in. Uh, so so Lord, we just thank you that you are love. That that you love not because you choose to love like we do, but you love because this is who you are. If you were to ever stop loving, you would cease to be because you you can't help but love. And so, Lord, we thank you for for being our instructor and our teacher in how to love well. And Holy Spirit, I thank you that that the, the pressure is off of me. You are doing the work here this morning. And I just pray that you would just speak truth through me in the name of Jesus. Amen. So, for those of you, so um, for those of you who don't know, um, in 2009, I did a trip called the World Race, and that's um, I, I, I went to 11 different countries, 11 different mo- in 11 months, and uh, and we worked with with um, ministry contacts in each country. And so, but before that, in two, in October of 08, um, I had to go to Gainesville, Georgia, for a training camp, and the, and the training camp is not nearly as fun and exciting as it sounds. It's mostly just teachings, a, a little survival stuff, because we did do, a lot, do some camping while we were gone. Um, but it was also a kind of like logistical stuff. And because, you know, the, the squad that I went with was about 56 people large. And so, obviously, you know, you have a group of, of, of white people walking around, you know, um, Africa or, you know, the Latin America like that is going to draw a crowd. So we, we, you tend to split up a little bit. And so we, we were broken up into teams of seven. And so towards the end of training camp, they, um, they put us in our teams, you know, and so throughout training camp, you know, you, you meet people and you're like, oh man, like, you're pretty cool. I could be on a team with you. Like, yeah, yeah, I'll, yeah, this would be good. Or, oh yeah, yeah, we, we would work really well on a team together. And so the suspense builds up to when we put, when we put in our teams and they announce my team and we're all standing together and I'm looking at the people on my team like, I haven't had a single conversation with any one of these people. I don't know any of you. We've spent four days together. I don't know any of you people. And then we go and they want us to have dinner together and make a memory, because we're about to spend a year together. Let's, let's go have dinner and make a memory. Um, to say that we were back, that we were the first team back is an understatement. We were the first team back by a long shot. We had zero chemistry. We had nothing in common. It was, it was like the most awkward first date you've ever been on. It, it, was, it, was, it, was, it was so weird. And so we get back, you know, we, we get back to the base and no other team is back for like an hour and we're just kind of hanging out. Um, and so I remember driving home going, man, it is going to be a long 11 months if these are the people that I have to spend this with. Um, and I remember like, and, and, and I just remember even thinking like, man, like he is just so weird. Um, and I remember thinking like, like man, she, like, she's just so uptight. Um, and like, this is just going to be really, this is going to be really hard. Um, and so, you know, January comes, and we, our first country we're in, we're in is, the, is the Dominican Republic, and we get there, um, and, and, and it was absolutely as bad as I thought it was going to be. It was, it was, it, we, we just did not get along. We just, we had, you know, I, I'm sure there were some ministry contacts we worked with who were like, are these people even Christians? I mean, they, they don't even love each other. Um, it was really hard. Um, and, and, and nonetheless, I was the team leader. And so it's just like, I'm supposed to love these people even more because I lead them. Um, in fact, I would even wake up in the morning in my, my sleeping bag, I just kind of staring at the ceiling before I got up. I'm like, I love my team. I love my team. I, w- I would. Um, one, of the things, you know, one, one of the things that the world race, they, they really promote is, um, is uh, feedback. Because you know? so, you, you, you're living together in very, very tight, very stressful quarters. And so it's really important that you kind of clear the air. So they really encouraged, hey, like when you did this or when you said this or you didn't do this, it really bothered me. Like, it, it was just really important to clear the air. 
Um, we had no problem with that. We had, we had, we had no, we had no problem with that. Um, so, so one of the, one of the, the new rules we, we did was, okay, well, you can't give someone constructive feedback, um, without also giving them some word of encouragement. And the, the real, the, the real benefit of that, what really ended up happening was we, we got way less criticism. It just, we just, we just did it, we just said it less. Um, and so, so that, that helped some. Um, but then the other thing is we just reached this point like six or seven months in, we're like, guys, like, we just, we can't, we can't keep doing this. You know, this is, and so we began to, every day we would lay hands and pray for someone on our team. Um, and things began to get better. You know, we began to kind of get over things and, and, and really towards the end of the trip, um, nothing about us changed. We still had our differences. We still, um, you know, didn't have much in common, but, but we, we, we had a genuine love and care for each other, um, that we had to fight for, that we truly had to fight for. And so um, I, I tell that story because, you know, I realize that on the drive home, I, I made some judgments about my team that were uneducated judgments ab- about them. And, and for me, I spent most of that time overcoming those judgments that I made about those people so that I could have a relationship with them. And the funny thing is, kind of later in the year, as we became, as we kind of began to get along better and began to be able to, 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 to um, like each other more, um, I found out that every single one of them did the exact same thing. So that was it. You know, we, we, you know, we could not love each other or, or, or have genuine relationship with each other because we were all so busy getting caught up in these premature judgments that we had made about each other so early on when we first met each other. And we spent that year essentially trying to overcome these judgments that we made. And so that, that's what, you know, I want to talk about this morning. I want to talk about, you know, what, what, is it, what does it mean if we, if we can live life without judging people? Like what, what would it look like if we could meet someone and maybe we have nothing in common with them, but we can still choose to love them as Christ loves them? Despite their circumstances, despite what we, despite our opinion about them, despite our differences, what what would what would our influence in the community be? What would our influence in the world be? How much more effective would we be at our mission to restore, rebuild, and renovate our communities if we could truly withhold judgment from people, and and truly love them where they're at, whether they're Christians, whether they're people here, whether they're, at a, they're Christians at another church, or whether they're, they're people that we're serving at, at the Hope Center or people we're working alongside of in the community, or people we work with. So, so that, that, that's, that's what we're talking about. And, and to kind of make sure we're all on the same page, you know, when I, when I talk about judging people, you know, I'm, I'm not talking about, you know, th- th- there is a level of discernment that has to be made of like, you know, um, that's probably not a very wise thing to do. You know, there, there's discernment that comes with that. You know, like Claire would go to a place like, okay, like, this is not a safe environment. It's not a judgment on the parents, but like, this is just not a safe place for the kids to be. And she has to make those decisions and ends a sermon about kids. You know, it would be a judgment to say, that's not a very wise decision. This person must be an idiot. That's a judgment. <laughs> that's, that, that's a judgment. And, and, we're, and, and literally the definition of a judgment is we're, we're literally convicting someone of something where we're passing a verdict on who someone is. Kind of like what Mike said last week about shame. Shame is when we identify with our mistakes. You know, I didn't make a mistake, I am a mistake. Judgment is, is the outward, you didn't, you, you didn't do something, you are something. 
That's what, that, that, that's what judging is. In fact, you know, and, and I knew I was talking about this last Sunday when I was listening to Mike speak about shame, and I, and I, and I, did, I never put these together until I heard Mike talk last week. Um, but I, you know, I feel like the Lord kind of showed me that shame, shame is just the result of us judging ourselves with, by human standards. That's really what shame is. Shame is when we judge ourselves by human standards. And so, you know, and the hard thing is, you know, I don't know about you. I'm, I'm not going to, I'm not going to make assumptions about you. I'm not going to judge you. I'm, you know, but for me, as, through the years, as, as I've asked the Lord to help me with, you know, my, my instinct to judge, I've realized it's, it's just that, you know, I, I don't choose to judge someone. I don't just, I don't want, you know, I don't decide to judge someone. It just comes out of me. I mean, it just does. I'm just being, I'm just being real with you. It just, it's, it's just an instinct. It just, I, just, I just make judgments about people. And I'm sure a lot of you are like, what, what, have, you, what have you judged about me, Tim? I'm not going to tell you that. But it just does. And, so, and, and that's important to know because I think a lot of times what we tend to do in church is we try to, 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 do, um, we try to, to do morality without the Lord's help. And so we tend to white knuckle things and go, okay, I'm just going to will myself to be good. I'm just going to decide not to judge people, which is all well and good. But if you didn't decide to judge them in the first place, if it just came out of you, you can't decide not to judge them. It just happens. It just comes out of us. And so what that tells me is we, we need the Lord's help with this. We need, we need the Lord to come alongside us. We need the Holy Spirit to come alongside us. And, and, and what we really need is we really need him to give us his heart on this topic. And so that, that's, my, that's my prayer. That, that, that's what I want for us this morning as I'm talking is I, I really want the Holy Spirit to come and align our hearts with his on this topic. Because if you go into the Gospels and you read in the Gospels, there's several places in the Gospels where Jesus is like, I didn't come here to judge you. If you don't hear the words I'm saying, I don't judge you for it. Jesus didn't come to judge. Now, there, there will be a judgment later, but Jesus is the only judge. I, I, I love this about, one of the things I love about Jesus that I feel like I've, I've kind of picked up about his personality as, as in, in my pursuit of him is, is he is the only one with the right and the authority to judge, but he's probably the only one who doesn't want to judge us. Let me ask you this question. Um, ra- raise your hand if you like your job. Do you, do you like your job? Yeah, right, yeah. Now, keep your hand raised if there's something about your job, even though you like it, you're like, but you know, if, if there's one thing I could not do, I'd be okay with it. Like, like there's like something about my job, like, I, even though I love it, I would like to not do it. I feel like that's how Jesus is with judging. You know, Jesus is like, you know, he's King Jesus. He, he's on the throne. He rules all of creation. And, and one aspect of that job is he's also judge. But I also think that's one of those, ju- those jobs, like, I don't love judging. I, you know, and, and, and again, they're, 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 this is not Tim, you know, whatever, you know, this is just something I feel like I've picked up about his personality. He's the only one with the right and the authority to judge us. And he's the only one who doesn't want to judge us. So I feel like we need, we need that heart. We need the heart of Christ on this topic to help us to go against our very nature, our very, our sinful nature, our instincts to judge and to have his heart on that topic. And so uh, what, what we're going to do is uh, we're going we're gonna to dive and we're going to spend some time in, in uh, Romans chapter 14. 
And so um, what, to give you some context what's happening here, with, you know, Paul wrote the, this letter to the, the church in Rome. And, and, and this is, this is you know, Christianity year zero stuff. You know? So you know, J- Judaism had been around for, for thousands of years, and it had always been a, a local religion. And if you wanted to be if you wanted to practice Judaism, you had to be a Jew. You, you, you could be a Gentile. You, you could be a non-Israelite, but there were limitations. You know, there were parts of the temple that you couldn't go to if you weren't an Israelite. You, know, you were always kind of considered an, an outsider until Jesus came. And then Jesus, one of the things that really ruffled feathers with the Pharisees is Jesus began to say that the Gentiles would be sitting at the same type table as the Jews in heaven. And that the, you know, that, that, that the, the banquet... Um, when, the, when people who were invited to the banquet wouldn't come, let's go to the streets and invite everyone. And that began to really ruffle the feathers of the religious leaders, that the Gentiles were given the same access and the same right as the Jews. And so Jesus dies, comes back, and ascends, and now it's the job of the apostles to essentially lead this new movement. And, and, and there were some very difficult things for these apostles to have to, to navigate. One of those things was, well, what do we do with all these laws? Because Jesus said that he came and fulfilled the law. So do we still obey all these laws about purification? Do we still obey all these laws about clean and unclean food? What laws do we still obey? What laws don't we still obey? And they had to navigate all these things. There were people um, who, who still thought you had to eat, eat a kosher diet even after Peter had had his vision on the rooftop. What about all these Gentiles who are now coming into this new Christianity religion? How, how influenced are we going to allow us to be by the traditions and the rituals that they bring in from, from Greece and from Africa and from Asia? You know, how, are we, you know, how much influence are we going to allow them to have? And how much, like, are we going to make them get um, circumcised? Should, should these Gentiles be circumcised? Do we still need to be circumcised? Like, there's all these questions that you weren't even allowed to ask for thousands of years, and now all of a sudden everything is changing. And so these, so in the church in Rome, there's so much division. There's so much fighting. You know, Christians are fighting with each other because they can't decide on do you eat kosher or not. <laughs> People who, who love what the words of Jesus said are looking at the church in Rome and going, I don't know if I want that. Because there's, there was no peace. There was no unity in the church because they couldn't decide on what the important thing was. And so that's what Paul is writing about in Romans 14. He's trying to address these things. He's trying to bring some unity and try to bring some peace to the situation. So uh, we're going we're gonna to start off at Romans 14.3. And what, uh, what Paul is saying in Romans 14.3 is he's saying, the one who eats everything must not treat with contempt the one who does not. And the one who does not eat everything must not judge the one who does. For God has accepted them. And we're going to stop there and talk a little bit. And so what he's talking about is, you know, there's people at the church in Rome who, who, have, who has said, you know what? Because when Jesus came, you know, I'm going to eat my hot dog. And I'm going to eat my hot dog proudly. And I'm not going to worry about it. But then there's people who thought, okay, I, we still need to eat a kosher diet. And in Rome, a co- kosher meat was hard to come by. So typically what ended up happening is these, these Roman Christians would just eat vegetables. And so you had these people who were, were walking in freedom going, okay, I'm eating my hot dog proudly. You know, and, and they're thinking that they're better than the people who are eating just vegetables. And the people who are here eating just vegetables are thinking, well, I'm more pious and have conviction than the person over there with a hot dog in his mouth. And so you have these divisions happening in the church, and Paul is saying, it doesn't matter. God, the person that you judge and despise, God has accepted. 
In fact, I, I would even invite the Holy Spirit. If there is someone in your life, Christian or non-Christian, doesn't matter. If there's someone in your life that you have judged and you, and you look down on because of things you think, that you think they're done, I, 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 want, I hope the Holy Spirit brings that person to mind because God has accepted and welcomed them. The whole premise of the gospel of Jesus Christ is that we are accepted before we are acceptable and that we are loved before we're lovable. And so I would even say if there's anyone here who maybe isn't a Christian or is exploring Christianity and, and you have felt like a Christian in the past has, has made you feel that you're not welcome at church or you, you're not ready for salvation, I would, I would say, I, I am sorry. That was not a reflection of Jesus. Jesus wants you as you are. Jesus accepts you as you are. He's not, because he doesn't judge you. And so we have to remember that, that God accepts and welcomes all people to the throne of grace. Regardless of who they are and what they've done, he accepts all people to the throne of grace equally. Moving on to Romans 14, 4. Who are you to judge someone else's servant? To their own master, servants stand or fall and they will stand for the Lord is able to make them stand. So we'll, we'll pause there again because what, what Paul is essentially saying is the Lord is all of our master. You know, we, you know, and, and at the end of the day, we answer to our master. And he's using this, this imagery here of, of you, you can have a hard master who makes their servant fall. You have, you have a hard master who puts a heavy yoke on the servant and, and, it, and it breaks the servant. Or you have a good master who strengthens their legs and makes them stand. And he said, the Lord is a master who will make their, his servant stand. And so I remember um, in, my, in my zealous 20s, um, may have had a little bit of a savior complex. Um, may, may have you know, made it my job to make sure, you know, if you, if you weren't saved, you need to understand, you know, what Jesus does for you. And I, I want an answer now. Like, are you going to accept Jesus? You know, and, and, and if I think you're doing something sinful, well, you need to repent of that. And I'll, I'll wait while you do that. You know, <laughs> and it, it was not, I've, it was not good guys. Um, and I remember one day, <laughs> I remember one day, um, the Lord spoke to me and he goes, Hey Tim, um, whose job is it to save people? I said, it's yours. He goes, okay. Um, whose job is it to convict them of sin? I said, it's yours. He goes, okay. Um, whose job is it to, to sanctify them and to, and to work in their, in their hearts? And, and it's yours. He goes, okay. And that's all he said. He didn't even, he didn't even go on with it. He, he's like, you know, it, but it, it was, the message was loud and clear. I, I took that pressure on myself. To, to, be, to be their master. I took that pressure on myself to do God's job for him. And so I, I, I needed that lesson because you know, even now as, as a pastor, I can stand here without pressure because all I'm doing is I'm, 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 del- I'm a messenger. I'm delivering truth. But at the end of the day, the Holy Spirit is out here talking and working in all of you. You know, I mean, maybe some of you are still looking and, and, and you feel like you don't have a relationship with the Lord. And, and, and my hope is what I'm saying is like kindling around you so that one day when, that, when the Holy Spirit brings that spark, there's something to catch on and it, can, and it can go up. Maybe you're already a roaring flame and maybe what I'm saying is just kind of feeding that flame a little bit. But the point of it is I don't bring the fire. God brings the fire. 
our master brings the fire. And it's not, it's not any of our jobs to be anyone's master. The Lord is all of our master. We do the same thing with evangelism. How many of you have thought, you know, I should tell this person about Jesus, but they're not ready. No, they're not ready to hear it yet. Did you say that or did God say that? Because I'm pretty sure God would say it already. It's not up to us to determine if someone's ready to hear the gospel or hear the good news of Jesus. It's our job to tell them, and it's God's job to tend that seed. And so um, we, you know, it, it's, it's, we, we, need to use, we, we, we do the same thing with evangelism. Finally, we're moving on to Romans 14.10. So, so in, in Romans 14.10, Paul is, um, is saying, um, You then, why do you judge your brother or sister? Or why do you treat them with contempt? For we will all stand before God's judgment seat. And so, yeah, like we were saying before, God, Jesus didn't come to judge us. He, he, he came to save the world. He made that very clear in the Gospels. But one day there will be a judgment, and it won't matter what you've done or not done. It matters, is your name written in the book of life? But what's interesting about judgment that I feel like the Lord was showing me as I was preparing this is, God intended judgment to come at the end. And when I say end, I mean like, obviously for all of us who are with Jesus, the end is just the beginning. But the end of our process, you know, in, in our lives, we're in, a, we're, in, we're in process with the Lord. The Lord is working with us to, to sanctify us, heal us, free us, bring our minds in alignment with the mind of Christ, to bring our hearts in alignment with the truth of the, of the gospel. Like that process is ongoing throughout our lives. And judgment was not meant to come in the middle of that process. Judgment was intended to come at the end of that process. And the problem is, when we bring judgment in, in the middle of that process for someone, we are stifling love, hope, and grace. And those are all things that we need to walk with each other as we're all in the middle of that process that the Lord is in with us. But because judgment was intended to come at the end, when we bring it in the middle, all that stuff is stifled. And so we need to know that how God designed judgment to be. God designed judgment to be done by one man, Jesus Christ, King Jesus, and it was meant to come at the end of our process. The one man who has the right and the authority to, who doesn't want to, is the one who can do it because he sees the whole picture. He doesn't judge by human standards. He judges by the gospel standard. And he sees the whole person, all of their circumstances, every aspect of their life, their mind and their heart. Whereas when we judge people, we see that, that much of them. That's, that, that's how we judge people. We, you know, we, we look, I look at Susan like, okay, Susie, yeah, you're, is that a, no, that's red. You know, but, but, but we, that's how we judge people. And that's why God doesn't want us to do that. We don't, we're, we're not, we don't have all the information. We don't have the right perspective to do that. So, so what would it look like? Because ju- judgment is a prison. When we judge others, we're keeping ourselves from loving them and walking with them in their process. We're, pro, we are, we're stifling a relationship, maybe even before it starts, or we're, or we're, we're, we're stunting a relationship as, as we're walking with people. So, so as, as the, the band comes up to, to do the last song, um, I, I want to encourage you all to think about, you know, what is the Lord doing um, as as we're closing this, to, to free us from the judgments we've made on other people.